Welcome to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in. We pray that the following message will help you connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and others. If you have your Bibles, turn in them with me to the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter 29. For the past four weeks, we've been in the book of Revelation. Uh, The Revelation deals with a crisis that occurred in the last decade of the first century. The passage that I'll be reading this morning, Jeremiah 29, deals with a different crisis that also happened with God's people, to God's people. And it happened uh, approximately 700 years before the crisis in the book of Revelation. This was a different crisis in the Old Testament. And what is remarkable about Uh, The message that Jeremiah gives us in in chapter 29 is that the same principles that held true in uh, dealing, God's people dealing with the crisis that's described in the book of Revelation are the same principles that that God gave his people 700 years earlier in uh, what is now known as the Babylonian crisis. God's principles are never changing. His principles are consistent. They are persistent. And I so much appreciate the guidelines that come to us from from God's word. Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to read verse 1 and then pick up with verse 4 and read through verse 14. The title of this message is When God Puts You on Hold. Jeremiah says, this is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And verse 4 begins the letter. This is a letter from God dictated through Jeremiah, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and the prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. You know, one of the things that I enjoy not at all 
is being put on hold. You ever call somebody and they put you on hold? I have friends who have call waiting and they will call me. Some of them will call me, family members too, will call me and they will start talking to me and all of a sudden they'll say, uh, hold on just a minute, somebody is trying to call me and they put me on hold before I have the opportunity to say, wait a minute, you call me. Just recently, we were having some trouble, Amanda and I, my wife and I, we were having some trouble with our internet. It's been really, really slow. And I think the reason, one of the reasons it's been really, really slow is because all of you are staying home now. And so evidently you must be on the internet, surfing the internet, doing Google searches and reading your emails and maybe you're uh, streaming stuff on Netflix and Amazon Prime and all those different things. And because so many people are accessing the internet, it's making my internet go really slow. And so I'll be watching something very important and right when it gets to uh, a, a climactic moment in the program, the picture freezes and it buffers for about five minutes and I have to go reset the modem. And it's all because too many people are using a limited amount of bandwidth. And so after a while, I got so aggravated that I decided to call up our internet service provider. I'm not going to say who that internet service provider is because I'm not very happy with that internet service provider, but I call them and immediately There is an electronic voice that answers the call, and they put me on hold. And I'm on hold, and I'm on hold, and I'm on hold. Now, I'm on our landline because uh, I live in an area, my wife and I live in an area where the cell phone service is almost nil, and so we have to keep our landline so that we still have some phone service in addition to our cell phone service, which has a booster, but that's a whole other story. So I'm on the landline, and I've been waiting on, on hold for what amounts to be about 25 minutes. And then I get another call on my cell phone. I answer it because it's one of our church members, Richard Waddell. Richard called me this week while I was on hold, and I'm talking with Richard, and he called to see how we were doing. He's a great guy, uh, an insurance agent. I encourage you to, to, to reach out and talk to him. And uh, so in, in the middle of talking with Richard, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Someone answers, picks up, and, and I have a real bona fide human being talk to me, talking to me from our internet service provider, and here I am on the phone with Richard. And so I said, Richard, uh, uh, listen, I, I, I just, uh, I've been on hold for 30 minutes, and I've got somebody on the, on the phone, and I really need to pick up this call, and can I call you back? And so I had to put Richard on hold. I really hated that because I hate putting people on hold talked back and forth with the internet service provider, customer service agent, who I could barely recognize, whose voice I could barely understand. She was really nice. She was really sweet. But turns out there wasn't anything that she could do. I hate being put on hold. And finally, when I got off the phone about 45 minutes later, I called Richard back and I profusely apologized to him for having put him on hold. Has God ever put you on hold? I mean, it's one thing for your internet service provider to put you on hold. It's another thing for uh, some other utility to put you on hold. That aggravates you. But what about God? 
When we think about prayer, we, we, we think about prayer as kind of like our phone service, our, our wireless phone service to God. And, and we Christians are big on saying, you know, you can call God at any time and he's never too busy to pick up and he'll always pick it up and he'll always be such a great listener. And all that is true. But what about if you're talking with God and all of a sudden God puts you on hold? Don't say that he won't do it because he will do it. In fact, he's already done it. In fact, right this moment, God has put uh, so many of us, our whole nation, the whole world on hold. Can you imagine what kind of music would be played on hold while we talk with God or wait for him when he puts us on hold? Some of you might think, well, I know what the music will be. It'll be the Gaither vocal band. It'll be some old song recording of the Gaither, Gaither vocal band. Uh, Vestal Goodman, when she was still alive, will be singing. And you got the Stamps Quartet and you got the Dixie. What's it going to be like? What do you do when God puts you on hold? You know, you may be watching this live stream, listening to this message, and, and today may have been the day when it happened. Or maybe it was a year ago, but you're still dealing with it. Maybe it was three months ago. Who knows how long, but there was a time when, when you bowed your head and you said something to God like this. Oh, God, when will this awful situation be over? How could this be happening to me? Please, God, wake me up to find that I'm simply having a terrible nightmare, that I'll wake up to see that this was not real. Please, God, please stop my pain. If you've had a moment like that, an experience like that, then you know what, is, what it is like to live a part of your life in exile. You know what it is like for God to put you on hold. Jeremiah wrote sometime just shy of 600 years before Jesus was born. He wrote at a time of national crisis. Does that sound familiar? The northern kingdom of Israel had long been destroyed by Assyria over 50, 150 years earlier, leaving only the southern kingdom of Judah where Jeremiah lived, and Judah was in trouble. In 587, 586 BC, the Babylonian Empire, led by Nebuchadnezzar, their ruthless king and military leader, barreled down into Judah, destroyed the city of Jerusalem, destroyed its walls, and leveled its temple, killing thousands of people and taking the best and the brightest of those who survived and dragging them 700 miles to the east to Babylon to be in captivity. The people of Judah were stunned. Psalm 137 describes the feelings of those exiles just after arriving in Babylon. Psalm 137, verse 1, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept when we remembered Zion. Jerusalem was built on Mount Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors asked for mirth, for joy, saying, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? 
If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither. Let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Verse 8. O daughter of Babylon. Note how angry they are in these verses. O daughter Babylon, you who are to be destroyed, happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your little ones, your babies, and dash them against the rocks. The people of Judah were stunned. They did not believe that God would allow Jerusalem to be destroyed. After all, Jerusalem was God's favored city. But God did allow Jerusalem to be destroyed. The people of Judah did not believe that God would allow his people to be invaded. After all, his people were his chosen people. He favored them, right? Well, he did, but God did allow his people to be invaded. The people of Judah did not believe that God would allow his temple to be destroyed. After all, wasn't that the place where God lived in the Holy of Holies? Isn't that the place where he chose to put his presence? It was, but God did allow his temple to be destroyed. And these people carried away, drug away, dragged away all the way to Babylon. And when they got there, they still held out hope that God would not allow his people, his favorite people, to stay in Babylon very long. And so when they got out there with what bags they hurriedly packed, they refused to unpack. And it was in this context that God had Jeremiah to transcribe a letter for the Jews who were in exile in Babylon. And in that letter, God gave his people some specific instructions, just like God always does whenever they are in a crisis, whenever we are in a crisis. But the letter was not what they wanted to hear. God basically said to them, you need to unpack. You're going to be in Babylon for a while. You see, God had put his people on hold. He had placed his people in exile. There are people watching this live stream right here, right now, who are in exile. Yours could be the exile of marital conflict or divorce, the exile of grieving over a lost family member or good friend. It could be the exile of a lost job, a lost paycheck, the, the, the exile of a lost friendship that you didn't think you'd ever lose, the exile of continued inner unhappiness, the exile of a rebellious child, the exile of an unfulfilled dream, the exile of disease, whatever it is. And you cried out to God, and God's put you on hold. What do you do when God puts you on hold? Well, this letter answers that question. First of all, when God puts you on hold, you need to remember, you and I need to remember that God knows your situation. God is not ambivalent. God is not uh, unaware. God is not ignorant. God is not misinformed. He's very much aware. He knows more about our situation than we know ourselves. But notice in verse 4. In verse 4 it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Watch this. To all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Two more times in this letter, God would say, I carried you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. What? 
Wasn't it Nebuchadnezzar who took us? Well, he was the instrument. But God says, I'm the one who carried you there. Now, if you would have said that to the people of, of Judah at that point, they said, God would never do this. God is not the author of, of, of calamity. But the fact of the matter is, God says, look, you are where you are because I personally put you there. I orchestrated this thing. Now, I'm not going to stand up here to you before you and tell you that, that, that God directly caused the coronavirus, although he very well may have. I don't know. I'm not that smart. But this much I do know. You and I are where we are because at the very least, God has allowed us to be where we are. And if he has allowed us to be where we are, he knows our situation. And, and he has brought us to this point to do something really big in our lives. God knows your situation. Second, when God puts you on hold, this letter says, get busy doing something productive. Verse 5, God says, build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. These people said, plant a garden, build houses, settle down, put up roots. Are you kidding me? We we don't plan to be here that long. God, certainly you're not going to leave us here. And God says, you need to build houses. You need to settle down. You need to plant gardens. You need to allow those gardens to grow. You need to harvest what they produce and you need to eat what they produce. In other words, God is saying, look, you haven't unpacked your bags, but you're going to be in Babylon a while. So you might as well make the most of your time there. God is saying the same thing to us during our times of exile. When we feel that God has, is putting us on hold, God is saying to us, hey, stop wasting your time. You may well be in this situation for a while. Make the most of it. Be productive with your time. When you are on hold, God knows your situation and God wants you to be productive. Number three. When you're on hold, when you're in exile, focus on your relationship with your family. This has been one of the upsides, has it not, of this whole quarantine, this whole shelter-in-place thing. We, we've, we've been forced to get to know our families better, to appreciate our families and friends and church family. But here I'm talking about our, our biological families. And uh, this can be good. It can be bad. Some folks... Some folks say that uh, a few months from now, there, there may be larger families than there were. Others say that a few months from now, there are going to be a whole lot more divorce court attendees than there were. But the point here is that in times when God puts you on hold, take that time to get to know your family. Look at verse 6. God says, marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons. Find husbands for your daughters so that they too may have sons and daughters. Are you kidding me? Now, if you're someone who is single here, he says, you need to, you need to get married, okay, and you need to have children, okay, and those children, you need to uh, nourish them and nurture them up so that they too can make wise choices and have, have spouses that, that uh, accommodate them, that complement them, okay, that's a long time, and, and let your children grow up so that they too have sons and daughters, Wait a minute, Lord, how long are you planning on leaving us here? Well, the fact of the matter was there were some people who would die in Babylon. 
God says you need to take time to get to know your family. Get closer to your families. Build your families. Strengthen your families. That's number three. Number four, when you are on hold, when God puts you on hold, this is an ideal time to seek peace with your enemies. Ouch. I don't know if I want to do this one. In fact, I know I don't want to do it. But that's exactly what God says. Look at verse 7. Verse 7 says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. What city is that? Babylon. The very city they hate. The very city whose king they despise. They're The very city whose king ordered his soldiers to kill some of their family members, to torture the rest of them, to drag the rest of them 700 miles to the east of Babylon. Seek the peace and prosperity of that city where I carried you. What are we supposed to do for it? He says, pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Now, I can just hear some of those folks who are reading this letter, and they say, what? Make peace with the Babylonians? No way. And God is saying, yes, way. You see, when God puts us on hold, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons he puts us on hold is so that we will have extra time on our hands. And during that extra time, we will spend time not just reflecting on him and not just being productive and not just focusing on our family, but also reconciling with those with whom we are at odds. And if you and I don't think that's important, remember what Jesus said in the Lord's prayer. He says, he says, Lord, he says, I want you to pray this way, telling his disciples, he says, Lord, forgive us as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And that is the only part of the prayer that Jesus elaborates on after he's through. He says, for if you do not forgive those who have trespassed against you, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you. God is serious about reconciliation. You say, well, I can't do that. But I will tell you, folks, and by the way, as soon as I read this, I said to God, I said, God, I can't do that. Don't want to do that. And, and it was as if God said to me, look, if the people of Judah can reconcile with the Babylonians, then Jimmy Orr, you can reconcile with the folks with whom you have problems. <sighs> Number five, when you're in exile, when you're on hold, be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. It's amazing to me what happens during national crises. Among the many things that happen, one thing that happens, seems to always happen, is you get people who, who willingly spread rampant misinformation. That was the case in this crisis in Jeremiah's time. It was also the case, you remember, if you've been following along, in the crisis that the book of Revelation talks about in the 90s, the decade, last decade of the first century. But here, Jeremiah is speaking for God. People don't like what he's saying. They don't like what he's writing. So much so that in one place, uh, he had his secretary, a man named Baruch, to write out his book. They presented it to the king. The king got so angry, he ripped it up, threw it in the fire, and Baruch had to rewrite the whole thing. They didn't like what Jeremiah was saying. There was another prophet. His name was Hananiah. I should say a so-called prophet. 
He claimed to be a prophet. He had the title prophet. He claimed to speak for God when he told the people. You know what he told the people, among other things? He says, look, you're not going to be in Babylon very long. Two years max. That's what God says, Hananiah says. But you know what God said? God says, I never spoke through Hananiah. Hananiah is telling you what you want to hear. I never spoke through Hananiah. Let me tell you something, folks. More often than not, when someone who truly is speaking for God, truly has the ear of God, when they're speaking the words of God, more often than not, not always, but more often than not, they will tell you what you don't want to hear. So Hananiah said, you won't be there long. In fact, the same Hananiah, before they were ever, before Jerusalem was ever destroyed, he was telling them not to listen to Jeremiah then because the, God's going to keep the Babylonians from coming in. <laughs> but they kept listening to what he said. It amazes me today how many people, including many of us Christians, are listening to voices who aren't speaking for God. In light of this misinformation campaign, in verse 8, God says through Jeremiah, he says, do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen, watch this, do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. In other words, these these so-called prophets, so-called preachers were telling the people exactly what they wanted to hear. He says in verse 9, they are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them. Today we have so many people claiming to be authorities on what we should do in our crisis. Unfortunately, so many of them are woefully unqualified really to speak. But today, like in Jeremiah's day, it seems that more people are listening to the false voices than to the true ones. And it cost them dearly in Jeremiah's day, and it will end up costing us dearly in our day. I'm no prophet. I'm just a preacher, but I I will make this prediction. Some Some of the voices that we Christians are listening to today will result in such a mass exodus from Christianity in the decades to come in our country. And there will be so many people who would have listened to the good news of Jesus, but who will turn away because of us following the wrong voices. Finally, When you are in exile, when God puts you on hold, work on your relationship with God. Take time to get close to God. There's not a one of us who can't get closer to the Lord. And so, beginning with verse 11, which is the verse most people know from Jeremiah 29, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. He's saying this to the people of Judah. 
then you will call on me and you will come and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart and I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. In the New Testament, First Peter chapter 1 Verses three through seven, Peter in that passage tells us why God puts us on hold sometimes, why God allows us to go through crises. He says, beginning with verse three, first Peter one, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance, he says, is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Then in verse 6, watch this. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now, in the meantime, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Why have these trials come? Verse 7, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Folks, right now you and I live in a period when God has put us on hold. He's done it for good reasons. He's done it so that we would know that he knows our situation. He put us here. He's put us on hold so that we'd start doing something productive, so that we'd make peace with our enemies, so that we would focus on our families, so that we would take stock and evaluate and think about who we listen to. But more than anything else, he's put us on hold so that we can focus on our relationship with God. Maybe you're reading, uh, you're you're listening to this uh, live stream and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me tell you, you don't have to be in a church building to be saved. You don't have to be in a worship service to be saved. You can bow right where you are and you can invite Jesus Christ into your life. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10 that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's a guarantee. What are you going to do while you're on hold with God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this period of time that has caught us so unprepared didn't catch you unprepared at all. You knew in an eternity in the past that this period was coming to our world at this time. You knew it. And Lord, you have at the very least allowed this to happen to us. Maybe you have directly caused it so that we would pause, so that we'd be forced to give up so many distractions, so much busyness, and focus on what is really important, what really counts. You've put us on hold. God, help us to make the most of it. In Jesus' name, amen.